0: we would open with a fun little question here. Um, So Josh, in front of your TV, right, there's a thing you sit on, right? Yep. Um, What what do you call that? What what would you call that? That is a couch. Couch. Okay. So not a sofa. No. I think the
1: only time I use the word sofa is when it's followed by the word bed. I think that's the only time I use the word sofa. And even then, I'm more inclined to say uh, pull-out couch than I am sofa bed. But that's, I think, the only time I would say sofa. Saying sofa when you're talking about a couch feels like when you say pop when you're talking about soda.
2: Bubbler about when you're talking about water fountain?
1: I've never even
0: heard that one.
1: Yeah, it makes it sound like a herb, and I don't like it. That's how I think, that's what I think about
0: the word sofa. Right. So, so Mitch, same question to you. What, what would you call? that piece of furniture up to me to determine what we're going to call this thing it's a couch like 10 times out of 10.
2: yeah and uh, um one of so one response i heard to the distinction between couch and sofa that i thought was really good is that it actually contrary to the question that it's not referring to the same thing we had a good friend of ours say that it's referring to two separate things the sofa being something that would reside in a room that isn't used every day not used casually whereas the, the the couch That's the casual furniture that you're using to watch, you know, family movie night. So, what do you think about that distinction?
0: I think it's tough because I think the call to say that those are two different pieces of furniture is a bit of a stretch. Like, at what point, you know, does a is a folding chair a different piece of furniture from like a fancy chair? At what point are they no longer both just chairs? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I do. So. So the physical thing itself
2: is not really changing it's the context of that thing that might be changing a little bit more and so it's still a couch to me even in the fancy room it's a couch
0: yeah i think you know i like in my lexicon right that's the word that i'm using i'm using couch i, I say couch ten times a like i i would never on my own accord come up with the word sofa like that just not
2: i wonder if there's a regionality to how like because Now, we brought up the, I think, Josh, you brought up the distinction between pop and
1: soda, right? Yeah, pop being a very Midwestern thing to say.
2: Yes, and I also believe bubbler is Midwestern, is it not? I think bubbler is New England. New England?
1: I've literally never heard the term bubbler, so that's up to you guys to decide.
0: I think that's New England, because I'm pretty sure Ben's the one who said that. He learned that up at school. You're
2: right. He did. Yeah, Ben did say that. Ben went to the University of Rhode Island. Rhode yeah. Island.
0: I guess North Rhode
1: Island, Island, Island barely counts as New England, but I guess it does count. I why?
0: I mean, you got to. put like him right so- there. I mean, you got to put them somewhere, and you're not going to put them in the tri-state area with like. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah, so, New England. It's New. England. Is
1: Connecticut New England, or is Connecticut some its own
0: thing?
2: No, that's the tri-state. That's area. the
0: tri-state area.
2: And I actually think the true tri-state area I believe is Connecticut, New York and New Jersey. Yes. It's not Pennsylvania. depends
1: on where you're talking about. Some people in PA like to refer to the tri-state area as New Jersey, PA and New York
0: That's because the people live in PA, We're like it's the tri-state area is like the, the what are the three states where like they're all going, they're all commuting into New York City to work, right? The people who live in New York, Connecticut and New Jersey. Mhm.
2: Fair. some people from, some people from Pennsylvania especially in the area that we live over here in Easton there's a lot of people I mean pre pandemic world those but, are crazy people yeah they are driving across the state of New Jersey every day <sighs> yeah those are crazy yeah I, I wouldn't want to do it I'll tell you the cost of living is way cheap around here
0: that's the that's even then though it's I, I I've, I've I've gone back and forth with whether or not I think that's worth it like the 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 paying paying more for the less commute or or paying less and having a like a bitch and a half of a commute. Do you do you know how
2: little two grand a month will get you in New York City?
0: Oh, no, no ob, I mean yeah. obviously there's like a, there's a point somewhere along the route between here and New York where it no longer makes sense to get any closer, right? I mean, yeah, it I, does I,
1: depend. I have a friend who lives in 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 a Manhattan apartment in the upper east side for less than 12 grand $1200 a month. Rent controlled? Really? A rent stabilized how rents they explain that to me so this is a very subtle difference for for my non tri-state area plus friends sure. rent control means that the maximum rent is set by the city and yeah. that is determined by however it is determined it varies building to building or even um block to blocks depending on how big of a neighborhood you live in rent stabilized means that they can only increase the rent so much in between tenants so the woman who rented the Mm -hmm. apartment my friend lives in before she did lived there for like 40 years so they never really got the opportunity to jack up rent prices to meet market demand and then she so she just got to kind of scoot in at like a crazy price but yeah they're out there
0: So So, so it just so happens that that she happens to there just happens to have not been that many tenants in that apartments where they could like incrementally raise the rent up to right. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, basically how come
2: when the apartment went back on the market? So I'm assuming your friend rented it after this person, right? Yes. When when the landlord put it back onto the market, why is the landlord not allowed to then adjust the price to the Average
1: market price.
0: Well, that's what. Jo- that's what no. Market...
1: you you're only allowed to increase rents by so much
0: percentage between Re- tenants,
2: regardless of the t- yeah, regardless of the tenants,
0: right? And so and so because the woman before her moved in in 1960 or whatever, when the rent was nine hundred dollars or whatever, right? right? Uh, or, or even less. Like they're only allowed to jack it up x percent, which brings it to the current twelve hundred dollars a month. Sure. Yeah. Makes huh. about sense. Basically, yeah. You got really lucky. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there a story about how she found this apartment? Uh, her her aunt works at a company that manages apartment buildings. Sorry, no, not even that. They manage Oh, they manage something that I think actually it is apartment buildings. Um, but she can't get her deals, but what she does get is a list of all the prices of all the apartments in each building. And so anytime she had seen like a really good deal because my friend works in Manhattan but was living in Jersey, she would send it along to my friend and be like, "Hey, Jackie, like this is a really good deal." And then eventually, when she saw at the time it was like eleven fifty a month, she was like, "Well, fuck, I'm an idiot if I don't just take that so yeah. she did how many bedrooms
2: one one bedroom that's still
0: I mean that's bucks. I mean that's like what I'm paying here, yeah, right and yeah. we're and we're in eastern and Pennsylvania. We're... 60 plus miles from new york mm-hmm.
1: yeah and she is uh she is uh,
0: i'm east not giving
1: side. i'm not giving out her address but she lives like right by the Guggenheim.
0: yeah i mean you said she lives in the upper east side that's yeah that's not a cheap place no, to live the
2: exact opposite it's yeah. one of the most wealthy neighborhoods in all in, of new, in york, new City. york
0: yeah yeah she um, lives
1: right by the sherman trail in uh in in central park for anyone who knows the area wow yeah
0: that's beautiful area of new york so I found an answer on getting back to our. original oh, yeah. discussion. Mm-hmm. I found it. So it says here that uh, New Englanders, again, tend to call. Uh, they're the ones who use it, who say sofa. Most of Americans opt for couch. Uh, but New englanders New Englanders tend to call it uh, a sofa. Sofa with bubblers. Sofa and bubblers. So those those damn
2: New Englanders, man, they're just weird. And I love New Englanders. They're very nice people. But so like
1: when you hear someone say the word sofa instead of couch, obviously you understand the physical object to which they're referring. But like, does that make you have any feeling or thought either about the conversation or the person you're talking to? Yeah. Like when I hear the word pop, I go, this person is from like Minnesota Mm -hmm. um, and they're probably like aggressively white and I bet they have like nine
0: casserole dishes. (laughs) <laughs> like like does the word sofa mean to you that's so descriptive i i don't think
2: i have anything that specific
0: the casserole dishes is what did
2: it <laughs> I um, guess the midwest is synonymous with casseroles too i guess yes yes that was so matt torrey matt torrey is also synonymous with casseroles uh, are that, you a casserole guy matt no
0: last time we had dinner you made one so now you are casserole man I, that whoa
1: is- matt you cooked
0: yeah, I was, I was forced to, I was forced to. Um, I was put in charge of, of green beans, which amounted to the least amount of, of risk to the meal. And he far
2: exceeded, ex- far exceeded expectations too.
0: Um, I followed all four steps of the recipe, two of which included putting it in the oven and taking it out of the oven. Was
2: it one step also to eat?
0: <laughs> no, I think, no, I think that was like the bonus fifth step, like enjoy.
2: Which, which I also did. So we did yeah. enjoy it. Yeah,, yeah we yeah, did yeah, enjoy yeah. it. Um, so, but does sofa make me think of I, something regionally? I now, this is the first time that I'm learning that. It's like a New England so thing. I've never
0: thought about it regionally, but I when I hear sofa, that sounds like pretentious to me. That sounds more like like that sounds like someone purposely not wanting to use the blue collar word couch and are opting for a more white collar. Oh, sit on the sofa. Like, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm
1: thinking? It makes me think like this is the name of a of a furniture store that was opened in like the 1950s and nobody changed it. Like come down to Sofa King or um or you know, the the Sofa Shop and it's at like that strip mall that you never go to. And it, yeah. all the furniture is bad and way too. Wonder expensive. how they stay in business. Yeah, yeah, but it's like a very. I picture a very 1950s world. Yeah,
2: I would never use the word couch in the name of my furniture store, though. A couch store, couch crowd, couch crowd, couch king. None of them. None of them are appealing to me. And honestly, the more I'm saying couch, the less I like the word.
0: Also, like I. Ouch! I don't know. Couch. I just think like. A, a, how many, like, couch stores are there? They're furniture stores. They're they furniture. got all kinds of furniture. And They might have, like, a, a sofa section or a couch section. But
2: I would store. see the name sofa in the name of a furniture store before I'd see couch in the name of a furniture store because Josh just listed all three. That sounded very realistic to me. Sofa yeah. King. I think yeah. Sofa
0: King is a company. I, it sounds like it could be. But so now it, to go back to this is revisiting your earlier point of are they two different things, it would be absurd have a furniture store with a separate sofa and couch section that would be absurd yes i agree okay i
2: agree i'm not willing to go that far on the distinction so so by that we we agree
0: that there is at least some crossover between a sofa and a couch
2: it's probably like a venn diagram yeah
0: right so are all sofas couches or and and not all couches are sofas or is it the other way around all sofas are couches but not all
2: couches are sofas that would be my response
1: Gosh. Uh, they're the same thing. The Venn diagram yeah. is just a circle.
0: It's just a, <laughs> it's just a <laughs> circle. All couches are sofas. All sofas are couches. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That makes life simpler. So I've got another one for you, though, here. So uh, uh, when you're done. Uh, hold on. You open up some packaging right and you've got all like the 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 loose you know whatever where do you put that you go throw that out what do you you throw that out in the what in the garbage trash so you'd say garbage can and josh you'd say trash can well i said the garbage Uh, i would i would say the trash
2: okay that's interesting because i'm not talking about the physical object of the receptacle that my garbage is going into me i use the term garbage as just kind of like this bigger term the garbage the garbage not the trash take out the trash. if i'm saying take out i wouldn't say take i'll oh, no, take out the garbage i don't know so what, what do you call the physical receptacle though what would you call a, tra- that? a trash can a trash can yeah but if i'm t- so you know what it is trash can is talking about the receptacle you put garbage into a trash can you
0: don't put trash in a trash can and garbage in a garbage can this is just
2: for me. I'm not necessarily saying it's the right way to do it. You
0: say you think you
2: should put garbage
0: into the trash can? Correct. Josh well, I, Josh, what about you?: It's all trash, man. <laughs> is it all garbage?: <laughs> Yeah, it's all trash garbage.
1: No, the only time I think I'll use the word garbage is if I'm referring to my garbage person, the person that comes around to collect the garbage, because I think <laughs> I think the, the the job, the person doing the job deserves the fancier word. But the actual garbage does not. It is trash.
2: I have a great friend that has a kid about five years old, and he's taught this kid to just use the word garbage whenever something happens that he doesn't like. So <laughs> he'll go to this kid and be like, all right, it's time for time out. He'll go, that's garbage. That's amazing. So It would be a word I, I think it's worth teaching. In that context. Um, trash
1: feels less respectful, and I don't want to respect the things I'm throwing away. Okay.
2: You do want to respect them. No, I I don't. No,
1: I don't. I want them to know that that they're terrible. I think it's, we have to take more ownership
0: over our trash. So, so, Josh, to you, a greater insult would be calling someone trash rather than calling someone garbage?
1: I mean, yeah, we don't talk about white
0: garbage. If you live in a trailer
1: home, you're not white garbage.
2: That's
0: true. You're white trash.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely trash. Yeah, yeah, and you say, and she looks trashy.
0: Yeah, she doesn't look garbagey. No. Looks like garbage. Looks like garbage. Now, you'd say, no, she looks trashy. But yeah.
2: I've heard people say looks like garbage, though. But that's different than looking trashy. Yes. Trashy is much, yeah, and now I'm just echoing exactly what Josh said. saying. It's definitely more insulting.
0: Yeah, all right. I'm on board with you now, Josh. Yeah, I wasn't I before, but the white trash comment, that I, I'm on board now. I, I, I'm with you.
1: There's always another layer to my thinking. Okay, how about one more?
0: <laughs> so when right. you've when you when you uh, you've got a bunch of junk around the house that you don't need anymore, you want to sell it, right? You, you're going to have a, a sale, you know, outside. Maybe your neighbor's going to come by. What do you call that? Who are we starting with? Start with me? Yeah, yeah, go, go with you
2: first.
1: Oh, um, I assume the delineation here is between uh garage sale and yard sale honestly i don't really have any thought on this um probably probably yard sale
2: mm-hmm. i agree i agree you, but i but a garage, for me it's about where the sale is taking place cuz i've been at yard sales that take place in the yard i've also been in garage sales that take place in the garage i'll be honest i've actually been to
1: far more driveway sales than anything else no one well, i we know. don't
2: call but, but that's a yard to me
1: that so, that counts as yard?
0: All right. Yeah, to me that counts. Now, as I yard. guess the 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 monkey wrench in this, right? You are right. That would be the delineation garage sale yard sale. But now we could have an outside opinion here, rummage sale. Ooh.
2: Never would say that. Never say rummage never sale. Never would say rummage sale. Where does that come from?
0: Uh really sure where that comes from.
2: <laughs> would you ever say rummage sale, Josh?
0: Fuck no. What do I look like?
2: I don't know. I, I don't know what. I don't know who would say a rummage sale. It honestly
0: sounds like something my grandmother. It sounds like my grandmother might call it like a rummage sale.
2: To Me, like a rummage sale is like something that's at like your local church, and it's like yeah. lines and lines of clothes, like used coats and stuff, and everything's like two or three dollars.
1: It feels very it, polite.
2: It does feel polite. Like a rummage sale to me is almost
0: more like a consignment shop. But Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm sorry, we're skipping over this one. This hold on. Another, another word for casserole in the upper Midwest is hot dish. That makes sense to me. That's stupid.
2: Why not? Why is it stupid? It's just, it's just lazy. But it's correct. But it's, it's lazy. I'm not saying it's not lazy, but I'm arguing, my argument is that it's correct. But I mean, like it. I would never use it. I don't like it. You know, Midwesterners, they sometimes they're, you know, specifically upper Midwest. It says, it says I,
0: Midwest. I actually
1: want to skip this and go back to the fact that Mitch said consignment shop instead of thrift store. Really?
0: You said consignment shop?
1: Yeah, consignment
2: shop. What's wrong with
1: that? instead of no there's not there's nothing wrong with it i'm not trying to to oh, attack you or it's say not, you're wrong here A
0: consignment shop that's different than a thr- that's more like that's like a pawn oh, shop you, right? No,
2: yes you're right you're right you're absolutely right a consignment shop is like where you can bring your stuff there and then they keep record of what your stuff is and then depending on how much it sells for you get a certain cut on that i think a thrift store is like where you just sell us your stuff
0: oh wait wait, hold on Th- that's how a consignment shop works. i
2: think it is josh thoughts
0: now 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 hold on. I yeah, I'm confused
1: because I believe that consignment shops and thrift stores are functionally the same for the consumer. The only difference really is how the stuff gets there. I thought consignment shops, you sold your stuff to the store, thrift shops, you donated your stuff to the store. Mm. But from the consumer's perspective, it's, it's all the same. It's, it's a bunch of shit in like a warehouse setting or, you know, or thrift stores, nonprofits. Well, usually things. like, you know, like uh, Goodwill is a thrift shop.
2: Yes. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. But well, I've, you, I've been, I've been to,
1: to fancier and... thrift stores though, where they have like designer clothing and they call yeah. them consignment shops. But I, and I know that, I know that there is that difference, but for me, I walk into a place with a bunch of used clothing and I buy shit really cheap. So it, yeah. it, because it, because, because it, fe- I know it. It's a different process, but
0: it feels the same to me, which is why I use the words interchangeably. Well, mm-hmm. from your perspective, if you are the person who had the clothes, right, and we're trying to get rid of them, they are two different experiences. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. If yeah, if I'm the 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 getting rid of clothes guy,
0: they're yeah. different processes. Yeah, so I. The consignment shop, though, like, you sell, like, that's different from a, a pawn shop, right? Because a pawn shop, where like, you, you go and, like, let's say, like, I need 500 bucks to, like, make rent or something like that. I could, like, pawn my guitar to the pawn shop, get the 500 bucks from them, and then if I want to get my guitar back, I've either got to pay them back the 500 bucks. Plus or, interest. Like, yeah, 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 before a period of time, or... If I don't, then the guitar is theirs, right. and then they can sell the guitar. Right. The I think,
2: pawn, How does the pawn shop make money on people that legitimately just bring their stuff there and say, I need this cash right now? The interest. It is the interest. The interest, yeah. That yeah, so and-
1: basically what Matt described is like they, they'll hold on to the guitar, and they'll be like, all right, come back here in one month with, I don't know, $550, yeah. or we're going to sell it. I'm either Matt comes back in a month with $550, and then they made 10%. Or they'll turn around and sell the guitar for six hundred, six fifty, whatever they want right. to mark it up to,
0: and then take in the additional money that way. Either way, they've made their money. I think yeah. the other option, though, is I think you can just straight out sell your stuff to a yeah. pawn shop. I think totally they oh, without stuff. a doubt. So, um, both of which are different though from a consignment
2: shop. I've never shopped in a pawn shop. Maybe I have once, once or twice.
1: But that's the other part that makes it kind of murky is that some some consignment shops are also thrift shops, some thrift shops are also consignment shops, and then some pawn shops are also consignment slash thrift shop. Like, if you're yeah. you you can donate clothes to a consignment shop, and therefore it kind of makes the process more thrift like. Um, yeah, that's and still you can
2: a consignment shop, yeah,
1: yeah, like the shop is still a consignment shop, but it, it obtains the clothes in like a thrift shop manner, and you can also sell your shit to a pawn shop and they're not pawning it, then treating that shit like a consignment shop. So there's a lot of overlap yeah. here.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh.
1: This, this Venn diagram would have three bubbles.
0: Yes.
2: You've gone from one bubble to three bubbles. Yes.
0: Like so, but from, but as you like you're saying though, Josh, from like the, the perspective of the, the guy walking into the store and buying stuff, they're all pretty similar experiences.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's all it's all used clothes or used you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in that respect, w- uh, what do you like better, thrift store or or consignment I shop?
1: like I like thrift store better. I, I like my words to have very unambiguous meaning as often as I can when I'm trying to be descriptive. And if someone doesn't know what a consignment shop is off the bat, that is confusing. And I am lazy and do not want to further describe things. And I will go with the more blunt version of whatever it's called. And ah, just call it a thrift shop.
0: The path of least resistance is thrift shop.
1: Yeah, I think so. I can't say I have a preference.
0: Because huh. I, I can't say I really shop in any of those stores frequently at all. So that's interesting, though. I like I like how you came to that. So, like, you... Because, because you, like, consciously, like, want to make things as simple as possible, right? Just in a lot of aspects of life. That influences your decision to go. Now I'm calling it a thrift shop, not calling the fucking assignment shop. That's confusing. Yeah. I like that. Is there, can you think of another example where you call something the simple version of something because it's simpler? Water. (laughs) (laughs) What Uh, would you call water?
2: H2O. Who called, who, who, there you can't tell me you've never heard anybody say H2O before.
0: Not in like a serious conversational way. Like if there's somebody that I'm talking to and like in conversation is saying that like they need to get a glass of water, but they call it H2O, I'm throwing them out of my apartment. Like that's fucking absurd. Like gonna- don't be dropping like if we're talking it's one thing if we're like in a science class or like we're talking about it in the context of like the chemical formula, like it's necessary for like mm-hmm. the context to make sense. I'm never having that conversation, so <laughs> fuck that guy. You know? I I might consciously do that now, just to piss you off. But so, but so then you'd be doing it just to piss me off. And, and that's which, co- is,
2: which is completely different than the intentions that Josh has when it comes to the use of those words. So would I seriously use H two O to describe water as I'm in conversation? No. No. No.
0: And I don't think anyone would. And if I ever met the guy <laughs> who did, I would throw him out of my apartment.
2: How could you tell? How could you tell if he was or not?
0: I don't know. I don't know either. I, I don't him
2: know. Yet. No, but I agree. He's with about him. six five. He's pale,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> very thin. Yeah. Can
0: we get a Can we get a description on this fella?
2: I think <laughs> I think Josh's uh, intentions are admirable when it comes to being selective about the language that he uses when he's trying to talk to other, other people. When it comes, to, he's trying to make his opinion as easily understood by the most amount of people at at one time and I think it's it's something that I need to consider more myself and it's something that I'll reflect on for a little bit after this podcast for sure.
1: Well, I know I know for me part of my problem as like a human is that I overthink. And if I sit here and spend time like even forgetting the external that is whoever I'm talking about. If I sit here and spend time going, "All right, but like how do they get the clothes?" <laughs> like <laughs> it just doesn't matter in the conversation, you know, like, it's easier for me to pick the thing that everyone's going to get the, the concept of myself included. And even if it's not 100% accurate, if it's 90% accurate, if it's functionally accurate, then yeah. it works and you can get by in the conversation.
0: It's good enough, right? Yeah. Now,
2: to foil that, are there sometimes that we use functional language and in doing that, we dilute the true meaning of what we're talking about?
1: Uh, I could, I could see instances where you could, but I think they'd be too hilarious to take seriously. Interesting. Yeah. Like if yeah. you were, if you were going to sit down to like a really nice steak dinner, you know, you got some Kobe beef or, or a porterhouse or some shit like that. And someone asked you, uh, what'd you have for dinner? And you said meat. <laughs> like no one would take you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone
2: what you, gets What if you it, just said steak what if you just said oh i had steak and that's a serious response
1: yeah but that's i mean. guess it, to that end i think it probably depends on how much you care slash value the meal to some extent right like if uh if you're just having like new york strip which is good but not like fancy steak um you know and yeah and you said and you said i'm having steak everyone gets that um, if you're someone, for whatever reason, who's, like, used to having T-bone every time you have steak, you might forget that not everyone has T-bone every time you have steak, and, uh, and you might use that reductionist language to someone else's detriment, but if it doesn't matter to you, and they still know you had steak, it just depends on how you value that communication of ideas.
0: Does it bother you when people use superfluous language, like, as I use superfluous language
1: not really no as long <laughs> as they mean it
0: i know people that get annoyed with that for
2: sure yeah i think it's people that don't understand it it's a turnoff too i've experienced that plenty of times where people will just stop listening to me because i'm just using words that they don't understand and I have to remind myself of that. But so but
0: like w- but when you're doing that though like you're not purposefully thinking like what's the most complicated word I could Correct. use, right?
2: I'm trying to be as and this is kind of back to uh, the last podcast when it talks about making sure that I'm understood correctly. Sometimes I use very specific words because I'm trying to talk about something very specific. But in doing that, mm-hmm my intentions get misread yeah. and it's like well you're just using big words to use big words that sound to sound smart just to look fancy yeah, yeah just to yeah. look fancy but yeah. really and it's hard sometimes to make that distinction while you're you're saying the words mm-hmm. because again it's from somebody else's perception and that's why i need to i'm reflecting on what josh said when he said i'm trying to use words that's appropriate for the audience yeah but then i then my like again then my foil to that is is like how much are we catering to the audience
0: well so i don't know like i i I, that's not exactly what you said is it josh like i mean because you're not like like we'll go back to the thrift thrift store example like you're not consciously thinking like more people will know what a thrift store is so i'm going to choose the word thrift store instead of consignment shop like right or
1: uh no it it it's both i'm 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 making that distinction for whomever i'm 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 speaking with, and I'm making that my default word also because then I don't have to think so hard about what this process is
2: simplifying it yeah. like like don't even open your vocabulary to those words because all you're gonna do is just not only complicate the process of somebody else interpreting it but also the process of you coming up with the words themselves
1: yeah yeah it it truly is all it is.
0: So, but like it comes, it's, it's, you're not simplifying it. I mean, a, a, like a, a byproduct of this is that more people can then understand what you're saying, but you're not doing it because it is easier for other people to understand it. You're doing it because it's simpler for you, right. To convey what you're thinking. It's both. And I'll, I'll offer you an example. Um,
1: give me, how, how, how would you describe, um, one of my favorite artists. How would you describe Frank Zappa's genre? To uh,
0: like is this to someone who like has has no idea. No, who in general,
1: is. like like, how, like give give me give me an accurate description. How you would tell me what Frank Zappa does?
2: Uh. Yeah, I'm not as as well versed as I should be with Frank Zappa, so I would just use rock. But then again, I feel like I'm kind of using something that's too wide of a word yeah for somebody that's like, more in tune with his repertoire. so i would
1: but, just and you know what mitch though that what i would say though is that that's fine if we were to get into like the nuts and bolts of how you would categorize guys like zappa or Beefheart, or even to some extent how you would classify pink floyd you know like people that have very specific sounds that you can Really expand your vocabulary on to more accurately describe them to your audience, but at the same time, do you want to sit there and like really get into the nuts and bolts of every artist's like minutia of genre, or is it easier to just go? Yeah, Frank Zappa, he did like some like kind of early like druggy prog rock stuff, um,
0: or or you know, leave it at that. Yeah,
1: that, that's even yeah, more, that's
2: even more detailed than just saying he's rock.
1: Yeah, yeah it absolutely it absolutely is. It absolutely I, I is. At the same time was- it's broad enough that you like you, you if if you have the right framework and even then I'm you're right it still might be too specific. But it's it's a better narrowing in while still being broad enough that you can maybe put some context to it on your own.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I guess it it comes back to Mattori was ready to ask well who is it that I'm talking to? And I think that would, I think that ultimately kind of impacts the, the language that you use when you're talking about something like this. I could be talking to my 85 year old grandma about Frank Zappa and I start using prog rock. She's not going to know what the hell I'm talking about.
1: No. Right. You know, that so is I'm, definitely a,
2: he plays rock kind of, kind of conversation. Yeah. So, but, and now, and I guess it, it's, this is, that's kind of what we do when we're talking to other people. How often are we really framing our language to the audience? How aware of it are we? I'm just kind of throwing that question out there to the two of you. Well,
0: so I, I, I kind of see – I'm I'm seeing both sides of this. I see, like, the benefit, right, obviously, of, like, bearing in mind your audience, right? Because then you can kind of better tailor your answers and better kind of adapt the conversations you're having, right? Like, obviously, like you're saying, you would answer that question differently to your grandmother versus, like, to yourself or, like, to Josh, like, someone who, like, is more well-versed in music, mm-hmm um but like at the same time obviously like we're talking specifically about music genres here so it it there's not a lot of like uh weight in these conversations sure. right there's not a lot of like at the uh, at stake or whatever right but mm-hmm. like when we're when we're talking about like trying to convey like you know personal thoughts and feelings or whatever does, does thinking too much about the audience, right, that you're talking to and thinking too much about like kind of uh attenuating what you're saying to who you're saying it to, does that do you then lose some of the meaning, right, in what you're trying to are you losing yourself in the audience? Yeah, yeah.
2: And sometimes I feel like that we can get sucked into that.
0: I feel I feel like sometimes I've been guilty of that where like I get caught up in too much of like kind of how i'm saying something rather than saying what i want to say Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i do i understand for sure i think i i think
1: i i think it's tough because i get it but one of my one of my favorite concepts um so when i listen to like comedians talk about comedy which is one of my favorite things to do um one of the things that they always say is you know you use as few words as possible in a joke You know, you have to cut out as much fat as as you humanly can and really parse down what you're trying to say to literally the fewest number of words you can. And that's something I think about a lot when I'm trying to communicate myself, because I am one to ramble and ramble and ramble and fight myself while I'm talking and attack my own language and yada, yada, yada. And it's it really is a, a a interesting exercise to actually think what is the fewest number of words i can use to be descriptive and still get my point across so to some extent you know you could look at using simplified language to the benefit of the person to whom you're speaking it is it can also be beneficial for you and i don't know it's something i definitely think about my follow-up question to that then josh is do
2: you believe that because of few the words that being so few that comedians use, they are therefore better at communi- uh, communicating
1: or just within the context of being funny. I think it depends. i I don't necessarily think it's going to make you better or worse. Uh, what's the best way to put this? I think putting that type of thought into your ideas and then choosing your words to match that to whatever path that brings you down is going to make you a better communicator no matter what. Occam's Razor. Simplest is best. Yeah,
2: we talk about it and it's true. How, if you have too much fluff floating around your argument, I have a coworker and he suffers from this all the time and yeah. I have to remind him, I'll talk to him and he'll and he's a bright, bright guy, like really, really smart. But man, he throws you 30,000 ideas a day. I can barely keep up with the guy. So,
0: he has trouble paring it down to the essentials. Like,
2: yes, exactly. You know, some the light is a little too bright.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: There's too many words going on in the head. And to to Josh's point, if he were to, you do that exercise and and ask himself genuinely, how can I communicate with using the least amount of words possible? Now that's quant, or that's quantity. Um. Also curious to what your thoughts are on the quality aspect of the words, because I think that's kind of bringing us back to the distinction of words that we're talking about. It can't just be the fewest amount of words. It also has to be the best chosen words. Well, I think
0: I think think in I don't want to take the words away from you, Josh, but I think in doing that exercise, right, of figuring out how do I get to the least amount of words? How do I cut trim the fat you happen upon words that that convey a lot of meaning with not a lot of words? Right.
1: Yeah. And I, and just to add on, I, I, I would say, you. how do I say this with the fewest quantity of words is really the surface level question. The real question is that you ask yourself, what am I trying to say? And when you answer that question, you know how to use your words better. Because if you don't know really the core idea that you were trying to communicate, you're gonna end up using a lot more words to describe it because you don't really know what you're trying to get across. And you're gonna to have to find that as you're speaking. But if you know the like, you know, that base concept of whatever it is you're trying to communicate, you'll end up parsing down your words just by virtue of the fact that you know what you wanna say.
0: Yeah, yeah. By by you know, being an expert, right, on the message you're trying to communicate. That how
1: how often do we ramble when we get caught not exactly knowing what we're supposed to say
0: yeah well because that's that's like our that's our way of 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 filling space or of trying to stall for time right to to come up with uh, a better answer right or yeah
1: and and you flat out don't know it it's like hey if i talk enough maybe i'll find the answer in some of these words
0: yeah yeah but if we're confident in uh you know a subject or or whatever it is something that's asked of us usually it's it's not it's not something you have to put a lot of effort into coming up with the words the words are just kind of there right have right you guys met, have you guys met people that struggle with their words yes definitely oh yeah
2: coworker. i have another coworker that struggles with their words too i can't and she and she comes to me and she knows when you
0: say struggles with word, you mean like struggles with like being able to like communicate their idea, like they, exactly they've, they've got it. The, the 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 gears are turning, but the words just aren't there.
2: She had an she had a situation the other day where she had to have a conversation with a family member that she wasn't very comfortable having. So, what through conversation, what we were able to do was able to take out what she wanted to say, dissect it, and kind of concentrate it, boil it down, so that you're like you're reducing and cooking. You're making it richer. You're making it more concise and you're ultimately are are shrinking it down. Now, the way you start with that is by just throwing all the words out there. Yeah. And that's what the, that's what the conversation piece of it is.
0: When you say throwing all the words out there, what do you, you mean? I mean, like, that's how you helped her get to a point where like she knew which word. So I mean, is that, is that like, is that, is that what you do like internally when you're trying to come up with a, like, do you like sit there with yourself and kind of almost like, you know, like, well, kinda...
2: what if, what if I say it this way? Yeah. yeah well, what yeah. if I say it that way? Is this what I'm, is, will this get across what I'm meaning or do I need to say it that way? Yeah. I think I do do that subconsciously when I'm trying to mm-hmm. think of the best way for me to communicate with people without a doubt especially if it's something like this was a difficult conversation Mm -hmm. where they were going to have to talk about things that it was not, it was not going to be a very comfortable one. Yeah. And I think it's in those times where our skills at choosing words are most on display.
0: Uh Yeah. Yeah. Well, because a lot of times I think when we, when we get caught up in, should I say this word? Should I say that word? Like, how should I phrase this? it's it's less about you know you, you 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 have an idea what you're trying to say but you're more worried about kind of the uh how it'll be perceived or like the underlying uh perception yeah, of, 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 of what you're saying you know how, how people are going to take that mm-hmm. um i think so you know but i i I lost my train of thought.
2: That's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's no problem. So what do you, Josh, Matt, do you have an opinion on where the general public, the general person that you interact with, how good do you think they are with choosing their words when they're trying to communicate ideas that might be
0: uncomfortable to talk about? Oh, terrible. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I was gonna say like I think I think what a lot of people don't do is what we were talking about earlier is considering their audience. I think a lot of people speak from a place and assume that the person they're speaking to is going to perceive the words they're saying exactly how they would perceive those words, you know, or or exactly how how they're intending those words to be perceived. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of my favorite. Uh, quotes or whatever is that, you know, we, we, we tend to judge ourselves based on our intentions, but we judge others based on our, on their actions. Mm-hmm. And so like, we, we tend to, you know, assume that our intentions are going to come across because we understand them. They're our intentions. Um, but a lot of like communication breakdown, right. Happens when, when that doesn't match up with reality, right. When, when someone goes into an interaction, having, you know, Certain expectations of how the other party is going to perceive them, and it doesn't; ha- things don't go as planned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when people get defensive. That's when you know there's uh, misunderstandings and, and 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 all kinds of negative outcomes, right? Yeah,
2: it get you get to a gridlock. Yeah, with uh, understanding somebody else's perception.
1: Uh, i I think it's even more base than that. i think I think people are just assholes. Um, and I don't even mean that in like they're a malicious kind of kind of folk. I mean, like i don't I don't think people in a, as a clump as a whole, not speaking about individuals, I think all three of us here on this call are all thoughtful people. I think all the people we tend to uh, tend to associate ourselves with willingly are thoughtful people. Uh, but I think the broader people don't take the time to consider what their words even really mean or why they mean to say them. Like, I, I was floored yesterday uh, on a work call when my boss used the word, and I apologize, but I'm going to, just for brevity, use the word retarded. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't believe we're still people still say that
2: in what you context know, did you use the word
1: she what she meant was this is a very silly process yeah and you know it's that kind of stuff we use it using actual descriptors setting. in a professional mm-hmm. setting uh, I I know uh, such poor taste and I uh, made me very uncomfortable but yeah, and how did we get to that point I well, guess so, is what I, I'm well to and, as, and that's what I'm trying to say is what she meant was I think this Way of doing something is stupid, or I yeah. think that the WIS way of doing something makes no logical sense. And but you have to ask yourself at some point before using the R word, why do I use this word? And mm-hmm. the answer would be, oh, because I equate it with stupid. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why do I equate it with stupid? And that's usually where the that internal bias lies. And really, what you don't mean is that all people who suffer from mental handicap. Uh, in that in that respect, are stupid, you have just grown to equate those two words for whatever reason you grew to equate those two words. And you don't mean to carry the, the weight that that word actually has every time you think something silly is silly. But that yeah. takes some level of introspection that most people
0: just aren't going to take. Well, so, but now, I, I agree with everything you just said, first off. But do you think that... The reason more people, you know, don't go through that process of introspection is because they, like, they don't they don't want to, or that they're like, uh, that they're incapable of it, or is it more that they are blissfully ignorant to the fact that is something that requires interest. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, How much like, autonomy do we have I, over it?
1: I, I think it's twofold. You know, I, I I think part of it is that most people aren't pressed on it. And then most of the people who are pressed on it lash out because they think that's a personal attack. You know, like my boss has probably been saying that for however old she is all those years. And mm. I doubt most people in her life have really called her out on it. I didn't. She's my boss. I'm not about to have that very weird conversation because I have been at this job for a very short period of time and I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, and chances are she just hasn't really been pressed on how she uses that part of her language. Uh, however, we've also seen people who, you know, when you try to correct them on the language, ah, uh, damn snowflakes getting mad at everything and and, you know, censorship these days and cancel culture and yada, 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 because they don't Those people are forceful. They don't want to take the time to say, huh, why did I use that word when I could have used an actually more descriptive word? You know? You you used
2: the perfect word in your first explanation, Josh. And I guess I want to take some time to expand it for you because it was a beautiful thought. And it was the language that we use and its connection to our internal bias. And I think that's the heart of... One of the hearts of the issue of this internal bias that we all suffer from is that we use language as a tool to understand the world. Mm -hmm. And language, how we use it, is ultimately going to have some type of impact on the way that we understand the world. Mm -hmm. Challenging that impact, to your point, is a very, very delicate issue. Now, I'm a little bit, I, I find myself a little bit as an outlier here because the word that you used, Josh, when we first started talking about is oh, these idiots just don't question what they're thinking. I personally like to try to take a responsibility for their understanding because it's in me taking responsibility for their lack of awareness that I truly think that we start to help people that don't understand why using the word retarded is not appropriate to be used anymore. Like you said, nobody's, nobody's just been around the challenge her. Nobody understands. And there's a right way to challenge her. I mean, challenging her in the middle of a meeting of all your coworkers would probably not have yielded the best <laughs> results. But I, con- I have confidence in you, Josh, that you would be able to, in a one-on-one conversation, after thinking hard about it and boiling down your language, to choose the right words at the right time, you could help somebody truly reflect on the- their word choice and how it's impacted the way that they see the world. Like, I, I just, I want to take an ownership on that. And I would hope that you two would too, because you said we're very, we're thoughtful individuals. Very, very thoughtful. It's on us to help them out.
0: I go back and forth between, like, wanting to... You know, wanting to be a a helpful force, right? In, in in this, and on the flip side of that, like, you know, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. not giving a fuck, yeah, <laughs> you know, and just feeling like it's it's a waste of time to to, to even try to care. Obviously, I know that's like a really cynical way of looking at things, right? But,
2: it's so easy to fall into it too, and yeah. I'm not going to sit here on a pedestal and say I haven't thought that at any point in time. I think it every single day, of course, right? Every and, single and day. And
0: so, I, I just like, but I, I, you know, because part of me, part of me, you know, when I start thinking, you know, like, oh well, you know, I. I, I can be someone who can, you know, help educate these people who who don't necessarily understand, you know, the the errors of their ways. And so, you know, whatever. But I very quickly that very quickly becomes like. You know, me, you know, asking like, who, do, who the hell do I think I am like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, you know, get down off your pedestal, like you can't <laughs> like you're not going to go out and change the world kind of thing. And so, like, it, it's. I don't know, maybe that's a personal struggle, more of a personal Mm -hmm. struggle for me, but like that's, that's just kind of where I am in that whole. Sure. Yeah. I don't
2: think you're the only one that's there too, because it's, it's like, it's like a grind to have conversations like that. You can have the same conversation. I've had the same conversations with some individuals about the language that they use and it's been like 15 or 20 times we've talked about it and they still don't get it.
0: Yeah. And then it becomes a, you know, a question for, for me. Like I've, I've also have had similar experiences where like, you know, I will, sometimes i'll try to broach the subject of kind of addressing those issues and and to you know varying results you know sometimes it's great and you're able to get someone to see the world from a different perspective and that feels really good but a lot of times you know you're met with resistance and like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really go how you want it to and like at that point like what how do you move on from that? Right. How do you like, how do you accept the fact that like, Hey, you know what? There's just some people out there that like, you're not going to change and like they suck and like, there's nothing you can do about it.
2: It comes back to your relationship with the conversation. Kind of like what Josh was talking about earlier when it comes to how much do you care about describing the music of rank Zappa? How much do you care about the use of the word retarded in the professional setting? That's going to impact how, how much effort you're willing to put into those kind of conversations. And it's, it's the true test. Because it's easy to get on Facebook and post everything about what you think everybody should be doing. Because yeah. you're not actually having the conversation. You're not actually uh-huh. taking what they're saying and, and trying to help them see it from your perspective and not their own. So I, I, I guess it's 15, 20 times and you're having the same conversations about why, you know, why certain people are upset over the killing of black people. Like, there's, like, I've, I guess I have a faith in that there are some people that are not willfully ignorant, but just ignorant because of the circumstances that they've come from. Like, they just haven't seen what they need to see mm-hmm. in order to understand that. And we, in America, 2020 is not a, a it's not a society that's open.
0: Well, just, I guess, just, you know, having the patience, right? And the, and the understanding and having like the 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 mental fortitude to even to mm-hmm. have those kinds of conversations right because i i and I'm, I'm imagining right in a lot of those circumstances of you know you're describing having conversations with coworkers or just people or just or just people right a, a lot of time like you have to you know you got to bite your tongue right you got to not not react emotionally right and not have uh you know not call someone an idiot for, for for like, why would you think that? You're like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because then, then you ruin, th- then you're no longer, you know, filling that role of of, you know, trying to educate, mm-hmm. right? You're condemning, which is easier to do, right? But-
2: And the language that we choose, like using the word idiot or using superfluous as a word, mm-hmm. you know, they're all going to be, they're all going to be uh, perceived it, a certain way. yeah perceived a certain way from from that audience and you gotta truly understand what that audience is so i guess maybe that might be the point i'm trying to make is earlier we were talking about knowing your audience mm-hmm. i guess what i'm saying is, is it, it's on sometimes it's more on the speaker to understand the audience than for the audience to understand the speaker mm-hmm. and it's often easy to shift that responsibility onto the audience yeah oh you should just know you should just know you that racism under,
0: you should understand what i'm saying and you should just be able to relate to it because i'm saying
2: it. yeah you know racism is still around everybody knows it you should know it no some people genuinely don't get it they just don't and it's not because they don't want to get it it's just because what they've experienced is that's what led them to believe it
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think very- there's a little i think there's a little of both in there i i think mm-hmm. i think you gotta pick sometimes you have to pick your battles For for you you know, whether it's going to stress you out or put you in a compromising position or whatever. And sometimes you got to pick your battles for them because some people are the worst and no amount. They're, yeah. not, they're not one really good explanation away from understanding. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not trying to make it too cynical. I was, I was thinking while you guys were talking, a really great example of, uh, I think, a lot of people, good-hearted people just trying to wrap their head around something that people who really are one good explanation away from getting it is, is a lot of the stuff surrounding, uh, Elliot page. Right. You know, there's a lot of people out there who, who, who are going, who are sincere going like, what happened to Ellen page? And you gotta be like, Ellen page is gone. Elliot page is here. Now and It's mm-hmm. like, what happened? What happened to Ellen? And it's like, nothing, nothing happened to her. She's not her anymore. Those mm-hmm. pronouns are dead. You never say those pronouns ever again when referring to Elliot Page. You never need to say the name Ellen again when referring to Elliot Page. Even if you're talking about the old movies. Juno, starring Elliot Page. Inception, right. Elliot Page was in it. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are going to, you know, fuck up the the pronouns and they're going to use the wrong name and they're not going to fully get it. But they really want to. And those people are worth having the conversation where you break it down because there's a lot of nuance with that. And it's very in your face. It's a pop culture thing. There's a lot happening. We've been seeing Elliot Page's face on TV for the last like 20 years. Like he's been around. Um, and but there's some people who are going to use the dead name Ellen forever just because they're assholes, and they're never going to be one conversation away. They might understand some concepts around, you know, what it means to be transgender or, or how that takes place in society or You know what Elliot Page's past looks like versus present. How to refer, and they might get all of it to some degree, and they just don't give a fuck because they're dicks, and that person is never going to hear you.
2: No, because they're not putting themselves in a in a they're not putting themselves in a situation where they're opening they they're not open to understanding it. But again, like I guess this is where I wanted us to take more ownership. Is like, yeah, that person is never going to get it, but. Is that?
0: Does that mean it's not worth trying?
2: N- yeah. that's Because, again, where is that responsibility when it comes to explaining to somebody that doesn't get it? Are we tailoring it to the audience or are we just expecting the audience to understand it? I agree. There are some people who mind you're just never going to change. You never. There, you can say all – you can word it any way you want. You can use as many, many words, as a little amount of words as you want. But they're just always going to call Elliot Page Allen, and they just can't understand. It's back to the, it's, it's back to the empathy thing. So is our ability to be empathetic a correlation to how well we are, how good we are at talking about sensitive issues when it comes to transgender and, and gender identification?
0: Well, I think
1: I, I, I might change out the word empathetic with the phrase, um, emotional intelligence. But yes, I think you're right. Why would you change those two words out? Because I I I will never have any true depth of understanding in 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 any way of what like black people in America go through, what transgender people in society go through, but I will have a surface level knowledge understanding and then take the rest of my information in from people who tell me what wait, wait, is going on
0: that's that's and empathy man
1: is that empathy that's, that's what i was going to yeah, ask and yeah, i don't know empathy. how closely that just ties
0: into to empathy so, but because so this right, ah, is sympathy no sim- i'm thinking sympathy yeah. sympathy right. is i can relate to you because i've gone through it right okay empathy yep. is i can relate to you even though i haven't gone through it you know, I can well, have a service level understanding and kind of listen to what you're saying and kind of internalize those emotions and kind of self in your shoes and try to see the world from your perspective. That's empathy.
1: Well, I, well, no, that that's that's where I didn't want to go, because I don't OK, I'm never going to be able to even imagine myself in the shoes of a transgendered person or a black person. And I, I think it's a really foolhardy goal for you to try because you're we're you know. I'm never going to get that.
2: But I think the fact that you know that you're not going to get it ultimately adds, adds to your ability of being empathetic. Yeah. Because if you're truly being empathetic, then you understand that, like, I understand that, that I you will, will never, never
0: truly fully understand, understand and be able to sympathize with someone because you never have experienced it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I said, it. I wasn't sure where empathy ended
1: and what yeah, yeah.
0: gaps so, so no, but i, I say, mean that's, a, that's a very clear yeah. i'm glad you brought that up though. i'm glad you said that i'm glad we, we clarified that here in the podcast because that's a very big point right is you know if, if someone says that they're you know empathetic towards a cause right or whatever like i can you know totally understand how you know so like it empathy the definition of empathy is that you know you don't fully understand
2: and in the western world understanding that you don't understand is like it just doesn't add up it's yeah. like one plus two equals four kind mm-hmm. of thing what we see what we perceive is ultimately what we think the world is yeah. at, at first glance mm-hmm. the guitar that i'm looking at on matt tory's wall right now is the guitar because that's what i'm perceiving mm-hmm. but if i'm truly trying to understand that guitar if i'm trying to be empathetic towards Matt tory's relationship with that guitar
1: Go! I totally lost there. All right, go on. <laughs> We're gonna cut. You know, there. You, know what, you know what's funny, Mitch? Is is you start off by saying one plus two equals four, but I'm so used to the example being two plus two equals five. But I would yeah. I, it wrapped. <laughs> It wrapped my head in some mathematical nightmare for like a half a second. And
2: I think that almost that almost kind of point that almost kind of made the point then.
0: Uh, yeah, it did. You were on a roll with that guitar analogy, and I was like, "Where is he going with this? I really want to see how he gets out of this." Yeah,
2: I, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't quite know how I was, but I guess what I was trying to say is that when I look at the guitar, I just, I just see a light blue bass guitar, and I don't really have any relationship to it other than I see it every time I come down to Matt Tori's.
0: See light blue. I, it,
2: that, that's kind of my point. I see light blue. <laughs> Maybe steel is another word I'd use. Steel? No, steel is more gray than that. It's like a powder blue.
1: Guys,
0: for ever, for, for, for all of our listeners out there, we're talking about a white bass guitar. Well then, I, white? The oh, no, Matt, goes,
1: that is that is mint green. That's what I'm saying.
0: Mint
2: green is too green for
0: that. I think. Can we? I, can I we, actually do think the technical color is mint. Can we please? Uh, yeah, because Matt
1: and I have Matt and I's guitar is the same color. Technically, Fender calls it mint white, but still.
0: Yeah, mint it's, white. It's, I mean, it's, it's pretty white. It's not blue. It's not steel. It's white.
2: <laughs> no, but it's, it's not white though, because white's white. not. Now, see, now I don't think you're being careful with choosing your words, because I don't think white totally encapsulates what that word describes. If I said
0: mint, would you know what color I'm talking about?
2: No, because see, for me, mint is more of a green color.
0: So, so then I would say white.
2: No, I again, I think it's like a powder blue. I think of, I think there's of the no blue heel. in there. There's no blue. But mint is kind of a bluish color.
0: It's not blue. Mint's green. It's mint is it, mint is a bluish green.
2: The bluish green. All right, we're gonna have
0: to agree to disagree on this.
2: So can we pl- <laughs> can we post a, a photo of this? I would bass gladly post a photo to, of this to, the, to and, the Twitter feed, and can we just and get see some, what see what our followers words, think? Our, yeah. All of our followers think about the color of this guitar. And I think I would be curious to see how divided people will be. Isn't that their old? Remember that old Facebook post that the was going around? Blue
0: dress, and white dress. Uh, that, that people thing?
2: were freaking out about yeah. that. People are so freaking out about that. Meanwhile, I saw that and I was like, well, no shit you see stuff different than other people yeah like that didn't surprise me at all when i saw that i wasn't surprised i well, was.
0: i mean i was you, you, yeah yeah i mean this just goes back to what we were talking about before i think not there's way there's way fewer thoughtful people out in the world than than maybe we initially thought but i don't want to subscribe
2: to that because now we sound pedestal and now i sound pretentious well and you that- know what
0: you know what it is no no, no. let's make it le- like so it's not that there are the people are not uh Thoughtful, right? Or that they're not. Uh, it's that no one has ever told them that that's something they should do, right? There are way more people out there who have the ability to be thoughtful in their daily lives, right? They're just they're just one good explanation away. <laughs> good well, explanation. I,
1: I I'll volunteer myself for that. So so a few weeks ago, uh, Corwin and I were talking on our movies podcast, uh, juicing mm-hmm. the big screen. About the movie Dog Day Afternoon, and great movie,
0: great, great movie.
1: movie, yeah, great movie. It was, um, and in the movie there is a uh, transgender character, or or, I don't mean, I, I I'm not even going to try, um, who ended up getting the surgery after the film, and I was trying to, because I, I had just learned the lesson that names and pronouns backdate.
0: Hold on. Was the act actress in that film actually transgender?
1: No, no, that that's Chris Sarandon, husband of Susan Sarandon. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay, um, all right. Who plays Leon? But the yeah. character Leon played, um eventually was able to get gender reassignment surgery after the film and became one of the first kind of like relatively higher profile people because of this film, uh, to really to 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 get Oh, you mean oh, the actual great. person? Yeah, that the actual Leon, person, God. Leon, in the film. You gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And okay, I, right, had, okay. I, w- I sat there during this recording session, so you can go listen to it, trying to get the pronouns right based on time period of this person's life, and knew I was fucking it up, and felt awful because I knew I was fucking it up. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh, a week or two later, I'm reading, actually, no, like this week, because Elliot Page just came out this week. Yes. I, I was reading a Twitter thread about like here's stupid ass questions that you shouldn't ask trans people. And I was like, yeah. ah, this is the thread for me just because I always like to check to make sure I'm not getting anything wrong. And sure enough, there was a very succinct and good explanation that said, Hey, you know, that person's old name, stop using it. You know, that person's old pronouns, forget them. Just use the new pronouns backdated forever. And mm. for one that made me feel a lot better that I have that knowledge now going forward. Two, selfishly that made me feel better because that is so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um and and three, that that reminded me that despite all of my good intentions, I am a flawed person when it comes to discussing these matters. And that in of itself can be offensive and that's something to be careful of. Your well intended errors are still hurtful.
0: Well, and I think the other thing that's important out of out of that realization, right, is that that's exact. So like when we like when someone you know comes out as being transgender, right, I, as someone who is not a member of the trans community, I, I don't want to speak for them. But generally speaking, right, the it's that this is who they are. Right. They've always been this person. Right. This isn't like a a uh, it's not a new thing, a new person that they've just like conjured up. Right that this has always been their identity and that they're just finally embracing their identity. Right. And coming out to the world and sharing that identity with people. Right. And so like the idea that you, you, you would use the same, like, so like when we were talking about inception, right, that was inception starring Elliot page that like he has always been Elliot page. Right. Mm-hmm. He is just now choosing to, to come out and share that identity with the world. Right. Like that has always been his identity. That
2: was always the way he related to himself.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so like, I think that, you know, by by virtue of understanding, right, kind of, you know, how, how to talk about issues like this, you then can kind of gain a better understanding of, you know, the world, right? And, and just kind of how, uh, you know, people want to be perceived, right? So like, if you have the understanding of that, you know, pronouns, you, you backdate them, right? They go back, right? And understanding that like, well, that's because that's just how they've always related to themselves. That helps you get a step closer in being able to empathize with someone in that position, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And all, all
2: this conversation, just to wrap it all up, is all contingent on the language that you choose to talk about those things. And I think the transgender community is asking a very specific thing of the audience of them and that is to be mindful of your words mm-hmm. that you're using when you're talking about them and that to josh's point although your simple mistakes may have good intentions they still can be hurtful and to just be conscious of that and to be empathetic towards the person with whom you're talking about that calling some like i wouldn't want like so my name is mitchell I remember when I was like in second grade, I'm in art class and the teacher calls me Michelle. I didn't like that. I didn't want to be called that. I'm not a, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy, right? So I use that experience, although it's not exactly what somebody's going through because I can't understand that because I've never had to question that. It's the example that I reflect on when I'm trying to be empathetic towards these people and the words that I use when, while I'm talking about themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Imagine a world yeah, where you've like,
1: been hanging on to that for 22 years, huh?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ima- imagine a world where like, you know, people insisted on you being, you know, referred to as Michelle and, and kept forcing that identity on you when you didn't feel that way. Oh yeah. It would be, you know,
2: it'd be terrible. It'd be terrible. Yeah. It would be awful. Nobody wants to, and that's kind of an American value. We don't want to be told how to live. Yeah. Don't tell me, don't, t- don't call me what you want. I want to be called what I want to be called. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I, it, in a time where we try very divided understanding of what it means to be an American, I think the trans community asking for this rightful respect, this rightful. It's a very uh, it's, American it, it, idea. It's one of the most American ideas that I've heard in a very, very long time because they're saying something very specific yeah. about the language that we use when we're talking about them. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I, I'm not the only one that's. I, I'm not the only one that sees it that way. There's people that think that I'm batshit crazy for thinking it like that. Yeah, and it's those people that I'm worried about. How do you help I, them?
1: The the most frustrating thing to me about dealing with people who are contrarians to the transgender community is that it is the easiest thing to do. Oh, what's that? Um, my my third cousin Dave uh, is Sarah now. Oh, okay. Great. I'm gonna start calling her Sarah, and that's just what I do now. And, and that's very—that's very, a very small. It's not asking anybody to understand systemic racism and to take that into consideration when you participate in certain monetary parts of society, or or you know understanding what happens when you buy an apple at the store and where all that money goes and to whom it goes, and dark money nope. or whatever. Nope, nope. nope. It. It's like yeah, you know. Remember, 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 Elliot Page from Juno. Yeah, it's Elliot now. So Elliot
0: Page was in Juno. Oh, and that's it. All and right. That's it that's the end of the conversation. It's a very easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, to kind of, you know, the, the, the opposite of, you know, kind of the the flip side of what you were saying before, of you know, innocent mistakes can be harmful by making these small changes, right. In the way we speak and the way we think about other people, we open ourselves up to being much more inclusive and, and it's, requires little to no effort on our part but it can make a big difference in someone else's day or someone else's life
2: Hell
1: So yeah with
0: that with that um i think those are some good thoughts to end on uh yeah i have
1: a, i have one final question
0: sure yes to tie it
1: all back to the beginning um what do you call the types of shoes you wear to the beach sandals flip-flops or slides depends on the makeup of the shoe so
0: i i just called it a shoe i (laughs) so (laughs) i i think i think you've got sandals right that's all to me that's that's just open toed footwear right that could be those 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 strappy 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 guys it could be the thongs it could be slides all those uh i would call slides, a further categorization of flip flops, which have two different categories of slides and thongs. I would never use the word thongs. I would just flip flops. So I would never call them thongs either. You know where they call them thongs? In Australia. But if I had to like differentiate, like it's yeah, the way they look, if I had two pairs of flip flops, right. And I was like, grab those ones. And so we're like, well, which ones? The thongs, not the slides. I would say the flip-flop's not the sides because I think a slide is different than a flip-flop. I think
2: they're all flip-flops because they all flip and flop. No, they do all flip and flop. For me, it's the big thing is the back. If the piece of footwear has a back to it, it now is ceasing to be a flip-flop and then becomes a sandal. But
0: so all flip-flops are sandals. Or do you not do you think sandals are different than flip-flops?
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know if I would make a sandal as big of a category as you would. I think they're two distinct things
0: like if i said i'm going to grab i'm going I, I gotta run upstairs and grab a pair of sandals and came down with flip-flops would you say you grab flip-flops not sandals no because
2: or? to josh's point it's just okay, okay i i understand okay, but, okay but, it, yeah. but
0: if i had to pick if i said hey mitch can you run upstairs and grab a pair of sandals and you saw on the ground you saw slides and then Sandals with a back.
2: Oh, sandals with the back. You're
0: grabbing the sandals. Yeah. With oh, back yeah, without it. Because I said sandals. Correct. Okay. Josh, what about you? What do you call them? Um,
1: I'm I, I tend to lean towards slides. I don't call them chancletas, but I love when I hear other people do. So I'm just throwing that out there. Shout uh, out! Ex- Shout out to you, the Dominicans. When you um, say what?
0: Choclos. Chancletas.
2: Chancletas. Is
0: that yeah. is that sandal in in Spanish? <laughs> Genuinely,
1: no clue what it technically translates to. Okay, cool. (laughs) But I I love hearing other people say it. Um, Okay. Now, I probably, I probably honestly am the laziest amongst the two of you. And I say shoes like Mitch did when I first asked the question. You're just
0: all shoes.
1: Yeah. Like if if we're, if if Cal and I are like going to the store or something like real quick, I'll just be like, all right, let me put on my shoes and then I'll put those on, Um, put on my slides. But I think I probably call them slides more than anything else.
0: So but you call but, but you so you say slide you don't say flip-flop. You wouldn't call those flip-flops. I call those flip-flops.
1: No, I call them slides. When I hear flip-flop, I think of the one with the thong in between your your big toe and your second biggest toe. Um your index toe. And then when I think sandal, I think like that Birkenstock kind of shoe that has, you know,
0: That's the word. Yeah, the
1: the 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 back in the back. And the back. Yep, um, yep, yep. But yeah Cause like when I think sandal, I think Egypt. I don't know why. And that shoe feels to me like a Birkenstock.
0: Okay, so you think like 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 when you hear sandal, you think like like sandal.
1: Yeah, like my foot is ready to run in the sand. Yeah, yeah. They put the name. They put
0: the word sand in the name of this footwear. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, but so for you, say like as Mitch, sandals got to have a back. Yes,
2: sandal has to have a back, and therefore it would fall under what we would understand as traditional, like ancient Egypt footwear. For me, is a sandal because I believe it has a back to it.
1: I don't know, but I think so. Maybe, probably. I don't think they were. Let's make bold claims about ancient Egypt and just say yes, assuming no one knows the better.
0: Yeah, let's say let's let's end on that note. I like it.
1: Uh, all right. Uh, any other? Glad we could clear that up. Any other thoughts?
0: Um, no, that's really it. That's all I've got. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you for
1: tagging uh, along. All right, if you uh if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at YCBS Pod. I guess keep a lookout for Matt's bass guitar at some point. I uh, see we'll post a well lit picture so we can all decide what, what color it is uh and if you want to hit us up via email you can do so at juicing nope that's the other podcast i have. uh if you want to hit us up via gmail you can do so at ytbspod at gmail.com and uh until next friday y'all be good